Welcome to another episode of One for the Table. I'm your host, Kim Chi. And I'm John Kung. Yay! Hooray! I'm here. It's another week. Um, John is currently in LA right now because he's touring. I am. Baby's first tour. Touring's hard. Okay, calm down. You just, you tour for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone heard you, it sounds like you've been touring for like months. It feels like it, truly. I'm on week two. Okay, so you've been touring for two weeks. Yes. Contrary to what people may think, you know, touring is not all glitz and glamour. It is a very hard job. Yeah, I have quickly learned that. You don't have a lot of free time to travel and see sites and go to places. You just kind of like go to your destination and maybe you can get some sleep and then you go to the next place. Um, It's very much that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm really happy to see all the people that like want to see me and it's so cool. And I still get to at least see like cool hotel rooms and (laughs) airports. Oh, that's really crazy because that's not what you're saying really. You're, you're like all these fucking people. I don't know why they keep coming. I did not say that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is terrible. Um, no, well, luckily for me, like on my tour, I, I get to do pop-ups. And so I get to eat at cool places any, still though. So what have you been cooking at these pop-up sitch? One of them was in New York at a place called Bonnie's. It's a Cantonese... American restaurant in Brooklyn and it's super, super good. And it's so hard to get a reservation there. I kept trying to get a table at Bonnie's before and it was honestly just easier for me to write a book and do an event there than it was to get a reservation. (laughs) And they did my crab rangoon and we did it as a flight and it was delicious. They also had like really, really good chang fun. Did we talk about this last time? We did, but I was just letting you go on because I'm... You didn't talk about the crab rangoon. You talk about the uh, fried, uh, the fried, the the sandwich thing. But you didn't talk yeah. about the crab rangoon. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the next place was Pecking House, and then they did my fried chicken curry cutlet sandwich, and it was so so good. They did such a good job. They put like a couple of butter pickles on it, and they had a really on a really good bread. From that event, I went and took the red eye to San Francisco, and was there two days, and now I'm here. And tomorrow you're at Bodega Park and yeah. another bookstore. Yeah. Tomorrow in Silver Lake and they're going to make my Mapo Tofu Kimchi Jjigae. Oh, I can't imagine what that would taste like, so I can't wait to taste it. It's very deep and it's much it's a little saltier and it's very deep. So I imagine it would be really good for like dipping a sandwich in because Bodega mm. Park is really good for sandwiches. I've um, gone to Bodega Park before. It's like a Korean take on like a New York City bodega. That's and it's so probably cool. like one of the only places where you can get uh, New York style chopped cheese in Los Angeles. Really? That yeah. Well, I've never seen chopped cheese anywhere else. So I'm sure like someone's going like, to message us and be like, this place in Santa Monica serves chopped cheese. It's like, well, I haven't been there. <laughs> right. But um, if you've never had chopped cheese before, it's basically like a sub sandwich. But inside mm-hmm. are like all the ingredients you find in like a uh, hamburger. So like ground beef, um, lots of cheese, and then like tomato, lettuce, and all that. Just kind of like chopped up and grilled together. And stuff oh God, that sounds bun. so good. It's almost like um, Philadelphia cheesesteak, but like a little bit trashier, but like better. Yeah. 
I, I agree with that assessment. Like it's, it doesn't try to do too much. It's just good and simple. Mm-hmm. So this week, um, we're going to do something different and answer all the listener questions we've gotten from all of y'all. Yeah, we have so many questions. We didn't even realize until like recently that we just well, had I realized. Oh. But John didn't realize. I didn't realize. I was speaking for <laughs> both of us. Apparently, Kim knew and was just ignoring everybody. I wasn't ignoring everybody because he kept deleting the messages. I did not. I delete the messages for questions that we answered. I was like, why is the inbox so empty? And John's like, oh, I deleted them all. I'm like, what? Who deletes messages nowadays? Unless it's spam. Yeah, so I was deleting messages for questions that we answered and Kim was ignoring everybody. So that's the story. Uh, let's, let's go into the, some questions. Oh, I wasn't ignoring anybody. I was saving the questions so we can make a whole episode out of it. <laughs> and also, if anyone has any more questions, feel free to submit them to our Instagram. One for the table. That is number one for the table. All right, so first question. Um, it's a pretty long message. Um, I'll skip a chunk of it and go straight to the question. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the communities that make up your hometowns and what kind of dishes do you enjoy sharing with them? So the town I come from in uh, Lansing area, from Okemos to be exact, no one knows where that is, Okemos, Michigan. Um, my town is mostly middle to like upper middle class white people. And there were very few other ethnicities. Um, there were like few like Indian kids, very little Korean kids, um, and like a small percentage of like black students. However, back in high school, my friends from like AP Art, our routine on the weekend was like we get together in someone's like house and we draw art, put on like a really long movie, like the entire like Lord of the Rings trilogy or something like that. Um, and draw art all day and make food for ourselves. And one time I made um, Korean-style curry, um, the one you get from like Otugi Packet, and everybody like fell in love um, to the point where we basically started making it every weekend. Oh. Um, and for a lot of them, that was like their first time trying curry. And... Um, Korean curry, I would say it's like even milder than like Japanese curry. A lot of Japanese curry, like the gravy part is like usually very brown. Well, Korean curry is like a bright red and usually make it with onion, carrot, potato, and like chicken or beef. What makes yeah, it red? So, no, it's not red, it's yellow. Oh, you said yellow. I first, I thought you said it was red. We got to get your um, ADHD under control. <laughs> it could be red if you put in hot sauce, but we didn't eat it with hot sauce. <laughs> Ooh, with chili, with chili powder would be good. That was like all too fancy for us like high school kids back then. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed sharing because of our town. I think there was like two Asian grocery stores and... Yeah, just like a lot of Asian ingredients were like harder to come by. Oh, and then one time my friends, um, we and I, we decided to do a potluck. And this is where I like truly experienced culture shock for the first time. Um, So like we all like brought different dishes and we cooked and obviously I made my curry because everybody loved it. And one girl, she boiled chicken breast um, and then added salt and pepper 
And she's like, this is a dish um, that we make at home all the time. So then I was like expecting like, oh, what else is she going to put in there? It was just that. Oh my God. It was boiled chicken with salt and pepper. And I know like we make jokes about like white people eating bland food. But like... But this is exactly what this was. I'm like, this is a dish she's presenting it as like her home cooking. Right. Like what what are they eating at her home? Oh. Like what kind of food do they normally eat? (laughs) Boiled chicken breast with just salt and pepper. How old were you? I think I was like a junior or senior in high school. Damn. It's like old enough to have like a taste bud, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yes, that is the dish I like to sharing from my country, Korean style curry. What about you? I mean, in the communities in my hometown, my hometown is Detroit. And so some of the communities over there, like we have a very large Arabic population. So we have a lot of like really good Middle Eastern food and Lebanese food. And we also have a pretty large like Hispanic population. So there's good like, uh, there's a lot of good Mexican food over there. But like obviously like me being Chinese, I like to share like Chinese food, like dumplings and noodles with people. Whenever, I guess whenever people come over, my like go-to is always to make a dumpling something uh, as well as in the wintertime, like lots of soup and stews and noodles and stuff. That's what I gave you when you showed up. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, yeah, I guess back then, I guess the question was like, if you're to pre- what kind of dish like do you like sharing with them? Yeah, and so I took it as like, what kind of dish do you like sharing with <laughs> the white people I grew up with? <laughs> However, um, if my friends were to come over now, like obviously I'll cook something very different, you know? <laughs> yeah, what would you make them? Um, I feel like something Korean. Um. I guess it depends on like their diet because like people in LA have like fucking crazy diets and like different right. dietary restrictions. So if they're like a non-meat eater, um, I I can make them like jim, which is like mm. a mackerel stew. Mm, yummy. Well, um, but then if they're like they meat eat eaters, yeah, yeah. If like if they're pescatarians, yeah. Uh, if they're like vegetarians, I make them maybe like, I make them like kimbap. Kimbap's usually fun and then you can put Ooh, in like whatever ingredient I want. Yeah. yeah. And it just looks pretty and it's easy for anyone to like eat. <laughs> and then if they're like meat eaters, um, I probably like set up like a K barbecue at home. Like K barbecue in restaurants actually charge a lot. But yeah. if you do K barbecue at home, it is so cheap. So cheap. Even like um, like the grill and like the burner thing, um, if you spend like twenty to thirty dollars, you can get like a whole set for cheap at any Asian grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then from then, it's just buying like the veggies and the meats you want. If anyone wants like a fun party idea, I highly recommend K Barbecue at home. Hot pot is our thing. Mm, hot pot is good too. Yeah, but for some reason, like I've had so many people like stress out when I've done hot pot with them. Really. Yeah, especially for like a lot of people who's never done hot pot before. Oh, they really yeah. have like hard time like grasping the concept. Like when they put in the ingredient. Like sometimes, you know, like that it might happen where like someone like eats the meat that you put in, you know, it's just like a yeah. common thing, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. why you put in like maybe a like three bunch. to four things of the same ingredient, you know? Yeah. But maybe not all at once. So you don't wanna you don't wanna overwhelm the pot. Or overcook the meat. Yeah. 
But like, like a lot of people have a hard time like finding like, especially for people like that don't cook regularly, they mm. can never tell like when like the meat is done or like when Ready. the veggies like good. So I would say just how part is more of like a learning curve, an advanced thing. <laughs> yeah, like you need some understanding of like the ingredients. Right, right. Now that makes sense. A lot more people know how to grill than they do how to like poach food. Yeah. At least grill, you can see like when something is cooked. Um, okay, so the next question is, visiting Palm Springs for pride and would love some recommendations for fabulous food while out in the desert. Any hidden gems or must-visits? I think Palm Springs pride is over. Uh, it was just this past weekend, yeah. Oh, very sorry. So by the time you listen to our podcast, um, you'll probably be at home. You know, actually, when I was in Palm Springs, or every time I've gone to Palm Springs, we've gone to like Costco or like Trader Joe's and bought our own ingredients and made our own food there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like a lot of great restaurants out there, but just I personally like never really ate out in Palm Springs. Yeah, I think that we 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 went out once. Was it? Oh, we went there a few times. But everything. Yeah, no. We've I think we meal. ate out. No, I think we ate out in Palm Springs one time. Yeah, and like it a was brunch like place. This, yes, it was a brunch place. Um, because I remember this because I think it was like the first time I really like we really hung out with Josh and Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all right. It had a it had an outdoor courtyard, and I remembered like the location more than the food. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't hate the food, but I didn't love the food. So like. It's not anything like worth like it wasn't memorable. Recommending on the podcast, you know, which can be said for like a lot of brunch food. Um, yeah, that is brunch in general. Yeah, you know, you got eggs. Eggs are cooked well, great. Potatoes, potatoes cooked well, great. <laughs> yeah, but no one's ever like that was the best omelet I've ever had in my life. I need to like go back to Palm Springs to get those omelets again. But we're open to suggestions because we're like Palm Springs is not that far. Uh, if mm-hmm. you have any places that we should go, then we would be more than happy to try them. Oh, one time we did get um, Carnitas Delivery. Oh, that's right. That was they so good. Um, like a bunch of carnitas, different salsas, um, tortillas on the side, and then like onion and cilantro. And we each made our own like carnitas taco. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but that place was really good. Yeah, I remember that too. That was really good. All right, so next question is, I went to a drag dim sum brunch this past weekend here in LA, and it was so much fun and so great seeing queer and trans API talent showcased, along with great food. What are y'all's go-to dim sum dishes? Side note, a drag king named Twinka Masala performed, and I still can't get over how brilliant of a drag name that is. Twinka Masala is probably one of the best drag names I've heard in a while. I agree. Oh my God, that's amazing. All right, my go-to dim sum dishes. I have several. So when you go to dim sum, I personally like going with three or four people. Nothing less, nothing more. Um, because a lot of the dim sum either comes in three or fours, so everyone can like each try one, so you can order multiple things. But if you go with two people... Um, a lot of times you either have to like eat two pieces of each or like one and a half. And sometimes like I don't want that. I just want to move on after eating one piece of dumpling. 
And if you go in more than that, then you'd have to get two orders of something and cut it in half, which like dim mm-hmm. sum is not meant to be cut in half. You just take the whole, you know? Like, I'm not going to sit there and, like, ask for a knife so I can cut dim sum in half. No, 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 no. I'm just going to eat a whole dumpling. So I'll go with three or four people, and these are the few things that I always get. Turnip cake. Egg tart. Nice. Chicken feet. Mm -hmm. Hargao. Mm -hmm. Just (laughs) because. And then... um, not all dim sum places have it, but the one I go to here in LA like has this. It's like a soft bun filled with salted egg cream. Nice. And it is really good and like it's served piping hot. Uh my go-to dim sum things are uh I I I'm not sure if I'm saying this right or even if this is the right name, but I think it's Wukok. Uh and it's like Taro puff croquettes, like taro croquettes. Oh. It's all like, they're fr- it's fried, so it's all like spindly and netty on the outside, but mm-hmm. inside it's like minced pork and it's taro, mashed taro on the outside. So it's like mashed taro filled with pork and mushrooms and then on the outside is like crispy and crunchy with tweel. It's very pretty and it's delicious. I love it so much. I've had it from places and some places it's amazing. Yeah. And then some places where the taro part is like so dry that like it's not the good. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not good, but it's like it's a hit or miss for me that one. Yeah. Um, another one that I like is one that is like that, but it's more of a crunchier skin or, or crunchy chewier skin. Um, but I don't know what that one's called. But it's like made almost the exact same way. And then I like as the sweet, I like me a sponge cake. And uh, Lai Wang Bao, which is like just a, a milk bun that's like filled with custard on the inside. Ooh, never um, had that one. That's really good. Uh, of course, mango pudding. Um, and what else? I also like the chicken feet and I like the steamed ribs, steamed spare ribs. Oh, with the little piece of black bean? Black beans in them? Yeah. Oh my God, the black... I just want like a bowl full of those like black beans because they're so good. They're so tasty. And something about like the steamed ribs, it is like so soft and so Mm -hmm. like juicy and succulent and just falls right off the bone. So good. Oh, another one that I like is... um, it's like sticky rice, like wrapped in. Is it banana leaf? Uh, it's uh, either bamboo leaf or it's lotus leaf. Lotus leaf, yeah. It's very and girthy. Inside, there's usually like mushrooms, like ground pork, like an egg or a quail egg. Yeah. And the whole thing is like really fragrant and like seasoned really well and yummy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, those are the those are my dim sum picks. Overrated oh, Tasio Bao, I think. I agree. Yeah. All the like Tasio ones, not only like the buns are so filling, um, I'm just never like excited about the um Tasio inside because it's so sugary. Yeah. Although there is a Michelin starred dim sum place in Hong Kong and it's like really, really cheap. They do a Tasio, but it's inside a Bolo Bao. So it's inside the the um, ball about is the is the uh, pineapple bun, but it's not like the, mm. the Taiwanese pineapple one. But it's one. It's got that crispy cookie thing on top, and mm-hmm. it's like baked, 
And then on the inside of Tasio, it's really, really good. It's like more on the sweet side, but it still has that salty barbecue pork kick. It's good. Yum. Oh, and then I always have to get a plate of um, gailan. Yes. Vegetables. Um, which, like, what is gailan in English? Chinese broccoli. Uh, Chinese broccoli. Yeah, it's usually like um whole thing of like steamed Chinese broccoli, like drizzled with like oyster sauce. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's healthy, but it makes me feel healthy eating it. And also a lot of them is so like rich and heavy that I need some vegetable to break it up. Yeah. And the most important part of dim sum, hot tea. Hot tea. Yes. Gotta have the hot tea to break so down good. all the fat in your mouth. Yes. I never usually go for like the fried stuff. Not that I'm like against fried food, but I'm more of like the steam dishes at dim sum. Yeah, it feels like sometimes like that you could get the fried food anywhere else, but some of those like the taro croquettes and stuff like you can't really get. So uh, I don't mind them. And then um, a lot of the places sometimes will have like a kanji cart that go around and like mm. give you like a bowl full of kanji. Yeah. But then a lot of times like people don't want to get it because it's very filling. Yeah, but it's still part of the experience. I mean, I like think, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think people need to stop like worrying about being full to the point where it like stops them from enjoying their meal. Like, you know, it's like how people are like, oh, don't go to the salad bars at Brazilian steakhouses, even though they're like these gorgeous things. And they're like, that's mm-hmm. how they get you. It was like, I get it. I understand yeah. trying to quote unquote, get your money's worth. But at the same time, like if you end up eating everything that you wanted to eat, whether regardless of how expensive the ingredients are, didn't you really get your money's worth because like you had the best time? You know, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I was just thinking about this because um, right now the trend in TikTok or like the food side of TikTok is um, like Red Lobster is doing like all you can eat shrimp and Olive Garden is like doing all you can eat like a never ending pasta. And there's like a lot of um, TikToks that people make that is like a hack on like um, how to make your money's worth at these places. But I'm like, why are we trying to bankrupt these businesses? Like yeah. for me, like eating out, it's not about like, it's not, it's really not about getting my money's worth. I mean, the whole experience and everything. Mm-hmm. Like if I enjoyed my meal, then I've got, I feel like I've gotten my money's worth, you know? And it's right. not like, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and do the math. I'm like, all right, I have to eat five bowls of this and three plates of this, like right. to have made a profit. It's like, you're not making a profit. At and the also, day, the it's rest- like, the restaurant is still winning. <laughs> yeah. And like it it this is also America that we generally are talking about these things and you're getting enough food no matter what you get. It's not like you're leaving hungry in these situations ever. People are just being mm-hmm. like, "Oh, we're at an all you can eat buffet. We have to get all of just meat or just seafood or just like shellfish or stuff like that because those are the most expensive things." It was like well, no, you you can get potatoes if you want like a roast potato and stuff like that. Just because they didn't spend as much money making the thing, if you stop yourself from eating something that you kind of crave just because you think like the ingredients and are expensive and that's what makes it worth it, then you're like, you're still cheating yourself. It's true. Like Brazilian Steakhouse, what you're saying, if I go to Brazilian Steakhouse, I love eating the fresh salad with their meat. 
And I don't mm-hmm. care if like the bread is filling. I'm going to eat that pang de queijo with my meat together because the whole combination of everything tastes good together. Oh my God, pang de queijo is so good. Oh, it's so Especially good. like the pang de queijo that these Brazilian steakhouses. I don't know what they put in there. Crack. But those pang de queijo, oh, they're so good. It's because they come out fresh all the time. They're, they're like piping hot and they're super mm-hmm. fresh and they're super enticing and they're just like so, so rich and so good. And like, you know, you're getting hearts of palm in the salad boot and the mm-hmm. salad places. And like, it's just, it's just so good. And oftentimes people are like, oh, don't eat the chicken because the chicken is the cheapest meat. It was like, the grilled chicken is pretty, uh, the barbecue chicken is pretty good. Yeah, the skin is always going to be super crispy and the meat is yeah. always going to be so juicy. Yeah. The ones that I never get though are the sausages. Oh, really? I'll ask from some slices of sausage. Occasionally they have the ones that are like flat sausages that are like sliced. That are, oh my God, I can't say it. That are sliced super thin. <laughs> oh my God, that was a tongue twister for me. I don't know why. And those are really good. But a lot of times, um, the gauchos come to your table over and over again, trying to pound these sausages because no one oh, wants yeah. them. Yeah. And I'm like, I told you for the fifth time, I don't want these damn sausages that you're trying to pound off of me. <laughs> what is your favorite thing at the Brazilian barbecue? Ooh. I always get the top sirloin and the bottom sirloin. Oh, the um, picanha. Mm-hmm. I love the garlic beef. Mm-hmm. But my ultimate favorite are these two things. And that is the um, Parmesan pork. Nice. And the grilled pineapple. Oh, good choices. The pineapple is so good at these steakhouses. And... I went there one time and I for the pineapple, um, but they just like would not bring it out. They'll bring the pineapple to other tables and like serve them all, but they just would not bring pineapple to our table. So I asked them five times to bring me the pineapple. I wasn't even being rude or anything. You know, I was just like very polite and it's like, I'm sorry, but you know, I would really love some pineapple if you have time when you get a chance, please. Thank you. But the gaucho will go to every table but our table with the pineapple. And I was like, what? did I do something to piss these people off? Like, just bring me the fucking pineapple. <laughs> oh, my God. So, M-Girl in K-Town, I love you. But um, just bring... I don't know why you're being so stingy with the pineapple to my table. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing is the picanha. I think it's the top sirloin. It's oh, the a sirloin with the, really good. Yeah, with the fat cap on there and they do it mm-hmm. in like a C shape. Oh God, it's so good. Oh my God, now I want Brazilian steakhouse. We can get that after this. Do you want to get Brazilian steakhouse for dinner? I'm not hungry enough, I don't think. Oh damn, okay. Shall we take a quick break? Okay. okay we'll be right back. Right back. And we're back. Continuing with our questions. I believe it is my turn to ask the question. So this one says, Hi, I'm not sure if this is where we submit listener questions. It is. But I wanted to ask, what is your guy's favorite Shin Ramen ad slash method? So yeah, what I think he's he's asking like, what do we like to add to our ramen? I like eggs, obviously. I also like to add like some kind of pickled vegetable, like Chinese. We have a lot of like pickled vegetables that comes in like jars and stuff. Mostly I like to add like a scoop of collagen powder to the soup. Oh. It makes it much more rich and like 
that like it gives you that like num, 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 that like stickiness that you get from really good ramen. And you can get collagen powder at any like health food store and it dissolves really easily. So if you just put it in the water and then add the ramen pack, you have a much richer broth. Oh, that sounds really good. And it's better for your skin. Oh. Look at you. Look she at learned you. something today. Where do you find collagen powder? Um, any health food store. You can even order it off of like Amazon. Okay. You can get it at Whole Foods too. Our answer for everything, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Spokesperson for Jeff Bezos. Right. Kim and John. I'm very particular about my ramen. I always pull my ramen off um, before it's cooked because like most people like don't even eat their ramen like right away because you wait for it to cool down. And while you're waiting for ramen to cool down, mm. your noodles are continuing to cook. And there's like nothing more, I hate more yeah, than like soggy ramen noodles. Yeah. And I like my noodles to have like a little bit of like a bite to them. So usually like after like a couple minutes, I'll like pull the ramen like off the heat. Mm-hmm. And also what most people don't know is if you're cooking more than one ramen, like let's say one isn't enough and you want to cook two, you can't double the water. You have to use 1.5 times the water. Yeah. Um, because if you put in like two cups of water... um. Your ramen is going to be really bland. There's some science behind it. It's about like how the water evaporates. But yeah, if you're cooking more than one ramen for yourself, you have to use less than, like don't double the water. Oh. So that's my tip to you. Nice. But also, um, instead of cooking two ramen noodles, cook one, eat it. And if you're still hungry, then cook another one. This way it's sure you're going to get the best ramen fresh every time. And also sometimes you might be fuller than you think after one ramen noodle, surprisingly. But like, what do you like to put in your ramen noodles? Okay, so I was just going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, after the water is boiling, I put in the ramen, I put in the soup, and I put in the egg, but I don't scramble the egg at all. You leave the egg untouched and mm-hmm. it'll poach itself like yeah. beautifully. Nice. And... Yeah, so basically, like, you know, you can, like, stir the noodles and whatever, but just, like, don't touch around the egg. And, yeah, you have, like, a perfectly poached egg right inside your ramen noodle, and that's delicious. I've tried the TikTok TikTok hack where you mix the um, ramen soup with mayonnaise and garlic, and then after you cook the noodles, you pour the hot water into the mixture, and then you add the noodles in and mix, like, a creamy ramen. That was actually very good. But generally, when I'm eating ramen, um, I remember um, watching a Korean drama um, back when I was like, in elementary school. And, or no, it was when I was in middle school. And the storyline was um, this girl cooks like a ramen for this boy, but this boy, um, his dad is actually a flavor developer for the ramen company. And his dad always tells him, like hundreds of scientists and engineers um, work on perfecting the flavor of the ramen before they release it. So it's a disrespect to all these people to um, drastically change the flavor of the ramen um, before you eat it. <laughs> so anyways, this girl, like she has a crush on this boy. So she makes the ramen for him, you know, and she has like all these things, you know, like green onions and rice cakes and dumpling. And then 
because he's been told by this dad his entire life, like he doesn't eat the ramen because he's like, oh, that's not pure ramen. I can't have it. And then she's like heartbroken. Um, and then like they meet again when they're adults and <laughs> very key drama. And then she makes the ramen for him again. And then like he hesitates to eat it. And then like she confesses to him, like I was like in love with you before, but it broke my heart that you didn't eat my ramen. Uh um, and then he takes like a bite of the ramen and I said, you know, it's delicious or something like that. But anyways, so that like, I don't know, has been like ingrained in my head. So I don't really like to add like too many things to my ramen aside from the egg. Because when you put an egg into ramen, it doesn't change the flavor of the ramen. You know, mm. you just, you're basically adding an egg to it. Maybe occasionally I'll add in some like green onions if I have some laying around, but I don't really add too many things to Korean ramen. Mm. Now, when it comes to American ramen, um, especially like a lot of these like maruchan, like chicken or beef flavor ramen, I personally find them to be like really bland in comparison to like American ramen noodles. So then I like I like to add a lot of Tabasco because mm-hmm. I feel like the vinegar gives it like the acidity and like the spiciness, like the broth needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really like add cheese or anything like that to my ramen. I'm like not a big fan of like ramen and cheese. But yeah, to answer your question, I don't really add too much shit to my ramen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so next question is, Hi, I just want to say I love the podcast. I recently discovered it and I've literally now listened to every episode. But my question for you guys is, what is your perfect bagel combination? Nice question. I always have like a dilemma when I go to a bagel shop. I can't decide if I want sweet or savory. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I want savory, I love, 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 love an onion bagel with some sort of like a veggie cream cheese or like a jalapeno cream cheese. Nice. And the bagel is just a vehicle for me to eat cream cheese. Bagel is merely an excuse for me to consume cream cheese. I love lots of cream cheese with my bagel. Some people are like only like a little like touch of cream cheese. Like I am not that case. Like <laughs> I love cream cheese. And then if I want something like a sweeter, like bagel, I'll either get a cinnamon raisin bagel with plain cream cheese or blueberry bagel with strawberry cream cheese. For me, I normally only like savory bagels. I'm not the same way as you are with cream cheese. Like I like a good amount of cream cheese, but for me, it's really all about the bagel. What I will usually do is when I go to a bagel place, I will actually look at all the bagels that they have and see like which ones look like the most plump. It usually ends up being like between like the poppy seed or the onion for some reason, but they all like I look for the ones that are like the fattest, fluffiest looking bagels. And then I'll either get that with a scallion schmear. Or uh, the jalapeno schmear. Mm. Otherwise, if I want like a bagel sandwich thing, if it's the afternoon, I like to do like the lox and onions and capers. Mm-hmm. And um, gotta have the red onions on there. For and me. gotta have the red onions. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, actually, uh, oh, the place that I went to in New York, the bagels were okay, but the, uh, the salmon red onions, lox? that com- the lox combination that they had, mm-hmm. they added ikura to it. Oh. There was ikura, salmon, onion, capers, a little bit of cream cheese, and the bagel in the sandwich. Talk it was so me. good. Right? Oh my God. 
It was called the Daughter's Delight at Russ and Daughter's. Their bagels, again, are okay, but that sandwich was really good. But if it's the morning, I do like a bacon, bacon egg, and cheese with a crappy cup of coffee. Mm. See, I like breakfast sandwiches, but I don't know. If I'm eating like a bagel, I think I just personally prefer like just a cream cheese. Yeah, sometimes and I want I think that. I want like... Yeah, and I totally support you. Yeah. But like for when it comes to like egg, bacon, and cheese kind of a moment, I think I'll prefer like a roll or mm. and like a breakfast burrito form or like croissant or English muffin. Yeah, yeah that I get that. But like it, it also depends. Like if I've been going to the same bagel place every day, I'll try like something mm-hmm. different. And generally I get like the jalapeno schmear on an onion. I'll get the salmon thing and then I'll do like a bacon, egg, and cheese on a toasted onion bagel. That all sounds yummy. It but also yes, needs but sandwich is my favorite. Yes. But I have, for some reason, whenever I have a bacon, egg, and cheese, I need to have a crappy cup of coffee. Like it it's just goes head and head. Yeah, it has to be a bad cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Like that diner coffee. Mm-hmm. I get you. It's like the one, like, mm. no matter how much like coffee you drink, it doesn't wake you up. No. It's like it's it's almost watery and unoffensive, mm-hmm. but it's still like coffee for some reason. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Absolutely. so my turn. Kim, my cousin and I will be in Seoul and Busan for the first time next month for a week. What were your best eats? Mm-hmm. So Korea has so much different types of like cuisine that it's like hard to pinpoint. And also, I don't want to say specific restaurants because like restaurants always like come and go all the time. But I'll tell you, generally, so Korean restaurants have in America, they sell like a little bit of everything. Um, just because you know, that's what you do to like make money. But in Korea, a lot of the restaurants mostly um, specialize in one thing. Even when it comes to K-barbecue, like some restaurant will only focus on pork belly. And some restaurant would only focus on beef. And some restaurants would only focus on like, you know, like salongtang, which is like uh, pork bone soup. Mm, um, so favorites. generally you want to have like an idea of like what specific dish that you want to eat. And find any place, you know, that is crowded and it's like run down and it's run by a bunch of like old ladies. It's most likely it's guaranteed to be good. If it's not mm. good, um, business in Korean, like in Korea, they just don't survive. But if the place has been there for a long time and it's still packed with people, you know they serve good food. Nice. And also, any of the cafes in Korea, the coffee culture is like ridiculous over there. And most cafes serve really high quality coffee, like brewed well. Um, and. But the one thing is um, a lot of people drink like Americanos and things like that there. Um, the milk in Korea is just like a little bit different. It's not as like thick and milky as the one here in the States. Um, so just like keep that in mind when you're a person like that likes to order like sweet lattes and things like that. And if I were to pinpoint you to any specific dish in Korea... Um, I guess I'm a little spoiled because I live in LA so we can get like most things here. But the things that we can find 
here easily are Korean street food. And Korean street food is really good. Whether it's like a toast that you get like in the morning or tteokbokki. If you see like a tteokbokki stand in the street and if there's some like ajumma cooking like a giant batch of tteokbokki and you see like a line of people, make sure you get the tteokbokki and get some odeng, which is like fish cake on a skewer. And some sunde, which is like a blood sausage thing filled with like glass noodles. And you can eat it all together. It's very delicious. So on to the next question. Hi, Kim and John. My partner, Hannah, and I love listening to the podcast. And I have a question about cooking and prepping meat. We were both vegan for eight plus years and recently made the adjustment to eating animal protein again. So far, we've cooked chicken broth, whole roasted and as cut parts, kong cheese and stews, that's about it. What are some nice ways to prepare your favorite animal proteins that aren't too hard for a newly meat eater to do? Thanks so much. Y'all do great work and happy pride. So, oh my God, there's so many like different ways to cook protein. But if you're yeah. like a recent eater, it seems like you have like a good idea on like how to cook chicken. Another protein that I think is pretty easy to cook is pork. Mm-hmm. And I think pork is very like inoffensive in terms of like flavor and texture depending on the cut. I mean, to me, like pork belly and bacon is basically like candy, you know? Yeah. Um, like pork belly, for example, you can like chop it into tiny little pieces and just like throw it into a skillet. And basically cook them till like when you think they're like almost burnt, they're basically ready. And you can like top it into like anything. You know, you can take those like crumbles and put it in salad, soups, um, sandwiches. Um, yeah, little bacon bits are and pork belly bits are like really easy to use on anything. And it tastes good. Mm. And then you can take the fat that's been like rendered off, put it in a jar. And you can use it in cooking for other things. And I guess another way to like, and if you're not familiar with eating pork, I'll say like the easiest way to like get into it is pasta. So I think carbonara is like a very easy dish to make that is, um, that uses, it's traditionally made of guanciale, but you're not going to get into guanciale if you're like just eating meat. So you can basically just, um, Grill bacon till it's crispy and like super rendered and then boil pasta. And while the pasta's boiling, um, mix Parmesan cheese and some eggs. You, you can look up recipes like online, but carbonara is like so easy to make. Um, and then you save the pasta water and you take the pasta like and then toss it in the bacon fat with the bacon bits. Uh, and turn it off the heat and then pour the um, egg and parmesan mixture over the pasta and add the pasta water and just keep stirring until it emulsifies into like a creamy sauce. Um, I had a friend that never ate pork and then I made this carbonara dish for them and she's like, oh my God, like this is delicious. I was like, yeah, it's the flavor of bacon fat. So I would recommend making carbonara for you. (laughs) What about you, John? I think salmon is probably one of the easiest animal proteins that you can use because mm-hmm. it, it cooks super fast and it is it shows you 
Like you can see it when it's fully cooked pretty easily. And also mm-hmm. like you don't really have to worry about like cooking it all the way or, or whether it's underdone if you buy like the Costco salmon. <laughs> if you buy like the Costco farm salmon, like I eat that salmon as sashimi. So if you make sure like you buy it the same day that it's been processed, which it says on the packaging, uh, you can like actually practice. Like if it's a little underdone for your taste, you know you're probably not going to poison yourself. Or also you can get used to like having your salmon rare because that's also really delicious. But yeah, lots of fish and shellfish, like they cook super, super fast and they show you in Mm -hmm. different ways. Like shrimp will curl up when it's done. Um, Scallops will turn like white when they're done. And they're also, they all cook really fast. So I would recommend going with seafood. Even if you overcook your salmon, you can always like shred it, mix it with mayo, and tap it on rice or something. Yeah, you know? that, yeah, there are a lot totally. Of you can do with salmon. It's so versatile. And also, uh, salmon skin. Don't throw that away because um, you can toss it in the um, oven or air fryer and make the skin crispy and eat it like chips. Yeah, and that's surprisingly really good. But that's also on the fishier side, so it might be a little bit too much adventure. But when you feel comfortable eating salmon, give it a try. Mm. All right, your turn. John, I just received your book. Super excited to try it out and try out some recipes. Have y'all had Lao food? If so, thoughts on thoughts on the food, especially the Lao style papaya salad versus the Thai style papaya salad. Um, I unfortunately have not had as much exposure to Lao food, although we did go to that one restaurant, right? Is was that restaurant Lao? Which restaurant? The one that we went to with Sang. Oh, that was Thai. Oh, that was Thai? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, then I probably haven't had a lot of experience with Lao food at all. <laughs> Although I would like to try it. I understand that their papaya salad is more pungent um, because they use more fish sauce, which I would love. But otherwise, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of experience with it. I've had a lot of experience with Thai food and papaya salad is delicious. But yeah, what about you? So for anyone that's like not familiar with Lao food, um, there's actually a great food content creator. His name is Sang. Um, his Instagram handle and TikTok handle is at S-A-E-N-G-D-O-U-A-N-G-D-A-R-A. And he makes like a lot of videos on educating people on Lao food. And he actually took me to like a Lao restaurant on North Hollywood. Um and I would say, like, flavor profile-wise is similar to Thai food, except magnified. So spicy food is, like, way spicier. Um, the salty flavors are, like, way saltier. Um, briny things are way brinier. It was really, really good. Um, everything I ate, I was, like, sweating my tits off, but it tasted all amazing. <laughs> and I love Lao-style um, papaya salad. Because there, I mean, every place makes it differently, but there are some like papaya salad I've had where it's fresh, but I was like, mm, it's a little bit, I feel almost feel like I'm eating kind of like a blend, like radish salad or something. But Lao papaya salad, like, it's so like briny and salty. And yeah, it was, it's everything I love in a dish, but it is very spicy. But this spicy is like the bird's eye chili spicy. Oh, yeah. Which like makes you sweat, like 
I sweat it for any type of spicy. But next question. Really enjoying this podcast and thought of a question for you both that hopefully hasn't been asked yet. What are your guilty pleasure food and snacks? Something you deny you like, but secretly do. Much love and best wishes. I have definitely denied liking this particular thing to a particular group of people, but I actually love this and it, it is a guilty pleasure. Truly. I don't think I've even admitted liking this like publicly. Velveeta. Really? Velveeta mixed with salsa, a microwave <laughs> dipped in corn chip. It is so trashy, but it is so good. <laughs> nice. And yes, there are fancier like queso and like, you know, chip and dip options out there. But something about like melted Velveeta just really hits when you want that like nasty nacho experience. Mm. And, you know, and some people even get fancier and you add like ground beef and jalapenos. No, no, no. Just Velveeta and jar of salsa <laughs> microwave together. So for me, I don't really have any like guilty pleasures like that. If I like to eat something, I will eat it and tell people that I like to eat it. Um, but in cases of a, like guilty pleasure food, sometimes I'll go into like snack spirals and like just go crazy. Like, oh, okay. So basically I'll go into these snack spirals very, very rarely, but I'll just be like ravenously hungry and snacky and I can't control it. And like, I will do like anything. I will dip, I, if I if there's chips around and, but nothing to dip it in, I will use like sour cream or whatever, or, or even like yogurt. And I'll put like some curry in the yogurt to make it like more savory or whatnot. That doesn't happen a lot. It's like, it's kind of like if I smoked weed and got crazy snacky like that, but sometimes I don't even need the weed. I just do it. Um, I'll feel a little guilty after that because it's just unhinged. <laughs> but otherwise, it's not, it's not that unhinged. I feel like the thing you get that way. People have. Do, no, do you? But... Okay, yeah. <laughs> you don't. I don't. But I mean, I, 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 I can see it happening for people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely happens for me. Um, but that's as close as I get to like eating something and being, I guess, guilty for it mm. oh I think another guilty pleasure of mine is sour cream mm. mm -hmm. especially like potato with sour cream yeah that's nice and it could be any form of potato whether it's baked potato fries um, even potato chips so yeah. potato and sour cream I don't know why it's just such an amazing combination together it really is. It really is. Yeah. Even like um, spicy Cheetos dipped in sour cream. If you know, you know. If you don't, well, move on. <laughs> Maybe I'm just really a fan of like sour dairy products. Like I love yogurt. I think you're just I a fan of cheese. sour anything. Yeah, I love sour. Sour might be my like, favorite flavor profile. I think it, I would not be surprised. I'm not surprised that you said that at all. Why? Because like you're always like, mm, I need so, I need a little acid to like counterbalance this and that, and just a little, 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sour is life. Sour for the win. No, it's a it's a very good flavor profile for sure. But that being said, However, I'm so like hungry, kids. Oh, you, you are? don't like? I am. I'm really hungry. I don't like. I don't like sour candies. I'm not surprised at that either, though, because you don't have any sour candies in the house. No, I don't I, have that much candies in the house. Period. Yeah, I think there's a difference between like sour though and tart. Like right. you don't I like love tart. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little touch of acid, a little kiss of Just acid, a if you will. A kiss, a kiss, exactly. Mm. Well, out of all the flavor profiles, which one would you say is your favorite? Sweet? Um, no, it's either it's either savory or sweet. It just depends on what mood I'm in, and if I'm in the mood but for like, one, I want savory? a lot of it. Uh, like just. Salty? Yeah, salty. Okay. It's one or the other, and when I want one, I want it a lot. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I support you in this salty journey. Mm-hmm. So that's our podcast for the week. Um, if you have any more questions, um, please submit it to us on our Instagram. And if you like our podcast, feel free to leave a five-star review. <laughs> and if you don't, well, why are you here? <laughs> and why have you listened this far? So don't be a hater. That's it. And John, are you going to say anything? I said, I'm saying goodbye. I'm saying you just had to, you just kept talking and talking and talking. So I thought you were going to finish. I was waiting for you to say something. You're just sitting there in silence. <laughs> I'm sitting here being a supportive friend and letting you have your moment. I don't need you to be supportive. I need you to engage with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Bye.